Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. Hi, everyone. As a friendly reminder, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help the show out. And on with the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Good. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, good, honestly. I well, I leave for vacation tomorrow. So I am in like it is exciting, but I'm like in that anxious travel anticipation place, but also um it's just been a hectic week because I'm preparing to go away for a week. Yes. So um we have a question of the day, which is a little bit interesting because it's on point I say that like I just drew this card but every week I go through and (laughs) veto half the cards that I choose so (laughs) what is your opinion on having kids ah um I think that it's not something people should take lightly I think that if you are thinking of having kids um that you take into consideration how you feel right now um, because pregnancy if we're speaking particularly to women um, pregnancy can exacerbate any emotional stuff that's going on um, particularly around self-esteem so if you are thinking of having a kid absolutely make sure you have a solid um, either support system or someone that's following up with you on your mental health because this is no joke um, I don't know how to not be realistic. So well, that's my no, answer. That's, no, I love the honest <laughs> answer. That's what we're looking for, right? Yes. To, to be honest about it. I feel like that's so true and like what we consider, especially I feel like I see it a lot with clients in the sense that it just a lot of times having children arises mm-hmm. things that people didn't expect, right? Yep. And like the saying that people say is true that it doesn't get easier like no it, it, you will experience greater challenges only the further you get along and that's with kids or without kids but your relationship only gets harder yeah <laughs> life only gets harder so I think a lot of times people see that as like an easy fix and it's not no. like kids are not going to magically make everything better <laughs> no definitely not I'm, yeah. I mean my child is still not here Um, So I can't say in what ways she's going to enhance or fulfill Mm -hmm. my life. Um, But I can say as I'm anticipating her, um, everything changes, even in just the, you know, period where gestation so to speak yeah, like yeah pregnancy. I yeah I'm, I'm still my my whole life had to change in a way it didn't stop but yeah. it certainly did change yeah I think it's a interesting question in particular as well when it comes to the child-free movement that's mm-hmm. happening where a lot of people are choosing to actively not have like yeah. actively choosing against having kids um which more power to them I have so many clients that have declared that they're not having kids and Mm -hmm. that's I love that 
self-acceptance and yeah. self-compassion, mm-hmm. which we will talk about today, um, in making that decision. Because I think it's it's obviously become a movement because it's going against a norm or an expectation yeah. in society. And so I think it's really wonderful. But I also can see where a lot of that comes from. Like I know a lot of people who are actively child-free also have made that choice just given like the state of our world like that yes dilemma of do I want to bring a kid into this world given how things are right and I say that as someone who is also pregnant finally <laughs> came out yes <laughs> um so for those of you who don't know I just started telling my clients this week and most of them know um I am 20 weeks pregnant so I've been keeping that a secret for quite a while it feels good to be able to say that on here um it's very exciting so it's it's yes. been a particularly fun journey especially for Aida and I because we're pregnant at the same time yes and I gotta tell you it actually feels great to have a friend such a close friend who's also pregnant at yes. the same time because it's like oh thank god I don't have to do this alone because yes. alone really sucks <laughs> I've had so many people say that to me yeah to be like it, you're so lucky to like have somebody who's going through it and I'd love to say that it was a planned thing but we just it, but just aligned that right. we both got pregnant at the same time. So yes. <laughs> um, it's been a really wonderful journey. But yeah. my, yeah, my opinion on kids is, I mean, well, I'm having them. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I agree. I think there's a lot of unexpected stuff that came up in pregnancy, particularly like what I thought were resolved traumas coming mm-hmm. up um, that I've had to sit with and work through again. Yeah. Um, that I didn't expect. And in a kind of a different way, because pregnancy brings up that right. in, a, in a totally different way than what I've experienced before. So, it's challenging and I think I sit with that too of that thought of like oh like I'm bringing this kid into this world and it kind of sucks yeah <laughs> like the world kind of sucks but I really think of it in that way of hoping that I can bring and raise a good human mm-hmm. who can be a active participant in the change that we need yeah um and respecting their giving them like a lot of kids and a lot of adults that I see haven't had, Mm -hmm. which is to give them the autonomy to just be themselves. But like, you are not me. Mm -hmm. You are not an extension. My husband, right? Right. You're not an extension of me. You are your own autonomous person with your own interests and beliefs and hopes and desires and passions. And I want to learn to connect with you in those ways and raise you in a way that allows you to pursue the things that are important to you that doesn't harm other people. Right. Yep. Um, as long as you're happy, healthy, and don't harm other people. We're good. We're okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I will consider that a successful <laughs> experience yes. of parenting But <laughs> when that day comes. Um, so I had mentioned just briefly a few minutes ago, self-compassion, and that's what we wanted to talk a little bit today. I think it's interesting to even talk about this in the context of parenting, because mm-hmm. obviously self-compassion is needed for parents oh yeah um but particularly this topic came to mind because in some of the self-esteem work that I do with clients it's been I get I don't know if it's the left-brained person in me but I often get hung up on semantics of the the wording that we choose like being really wise and thoughtful about Mm -hmm. The words that we use and I have a lot of clients who will come in and talk about wanting to improve their self-esteem okay what do you want out of therapy I want to improve my self-esteem and 
we spend a lot of time talking about, in my opinion, what tends to be the difference between self-esteem and self-compassion and Mm -hmm. where I tend to encourage people to lean towards self-compassion versus getting really hung up on self-esteem as like this attainable objective thing that they can have. Right. Like either you have it or you don't have it. Right. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) let's not think so black and white. Let's think about self-compassion. So given that, what are your thoughts on like that difference? Like, is that something that you've considered before or like think something that you talk about with your clients as far as as, like self-esteem versus self-compassion or like how do you see those as intertwined or even related at all? Yeah. I mean, um, I think prior to getting on, we talked a little bit about (laughs) it. I'm, I'm not sure that I've actually given it like thought the way that you broke it down and that definitely provided some really awesome insight. So thank you. Yeah. Yay for peer (laughs) consults. Um, but thinking about it now, after you explained it the way that you did, um, and do you want to go yeah, into the explanation yeah, really quick? Yeah, I'll yeah. Pa- I'll, we'll pause it yes. and explain it just so that I can share that. I should have yes. hit record when you walked in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, the way that I explained it to Aida and the way that I conceptualize it with my clients is that self-esteem is something that we often kind of base in and around other people and especially external validation, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel good about myself when and if people tell me that I'm awesome, when I get good work reviews, right. when I am told that I'm attractive, or when I see celebrities who look like me, mm-hmm. and that makes me feel good because then I know that I'm attractive, or right that it's somehow gauged in the comparison between other people, and vice versa. That can happen. I feel not so great when people criticize me, or I feel less about myself when people aren't actively telling me that I'm awesome or that they yeah. like me. Um, And so I often try to get people to kind of think about self-esteem as it's not necessarily something that we can obtain because it's kind of constantly fluctuating and it can fluctuate Mm -hmm. so frequently based on whether we're alone or we're not alone or a good day or a bad day, which makes our self-esteem pretty unstable or can Mm -hmm. make our self-esteem pretty unstable Um, versus self-compassion, which is in my opinion, much more focused on the acceptance of being human Mm -hmm. and having flaws. So even when we think about like body positivity and like that movement, a lot of those concepts are based around like my body serves the functions that it does. I take pride in the fact that my body protects me in the ways that it needs to, that my body, like rather these more neutral viewpoints of our Mm -hmm. bodies versus um I'm fat I'm skinny yeah I'm ugly I have zits I don't have zits I you know that it's self-compassion is about I'm allowed to make mistakes I'm still human I can own my mistakes and be a better person I can challenge myself I can take care of myself um but I'm human and I'm uniquely human yeah so so having that grace and self-acceptance even through moments where maybe we don't like our choices or right. we don't feel like we behaved in the best way. It's that self-compassion of like, oh, okay. I don't like that I behave that way, but 
I know that I can do better and I can do better different and I can learn from this yeah so I definitely explain self-compassion to my clients in terms of like the healing aspect of yeah. that right is being able to shift from this negative self-talk of um you know I'm a bad person because I made a mistake or I'm stupid because I made a mistake to I'm human and humans make mistakes and this does not define me yeah um and I've always um the way I've broken down self-esteem for my clients is, you know, there's this constant narrative always going around. If you can't be, you can't be with someone if you don't know how to be by yourself. And I, I personally disagree with that statement. I think, however, that um, in order to fully appreciate someone else's compliments, someone else's praise, you have to be willing to see it in yourself first. Right. Otherwise, it falls short. And I always go into a conversation conversation about core beliefs um, and how that intertwines with our self-esteem. Is mm-hmm. If you inherently look at things negatively, then you are going to feel negatively about yourself right. and you're not going to give yourself a chance more often than not. Regardless of somebody right. telling you how exactly. freaking amazing you are. Exactly. Right. If you're not ready to believe it then you're not going to and so that's why external and and I say that to my clients as well you brought up a really good point is um, external validation fluctuates so if your self-esteem is only based on the external validation that you get then it's always going to be in the hands of somebody else Um, because we're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay Um, but yeah if, if we're only waiting to feel good about ourselves when someone tells us that we can feel good about ourselves those those times may be coming few and far between yeah well if that's like our only source right feeling good right and that's something I talk about with my clients and again a lot of the people I work with are in very intellectual Mm -hmm. and left-brained and like if they could pull up a a spreadsheet about their mental health they would yeah Um, relatable um (laughs) (laughs) but I often just I described it recently in an analogy of um even if at best on our good days we feel 75 percent good about ourselves mm-hmm. like okay if we use the word self-esteem you have 75 percent self-esteem right like your self-esteem's at a seven out of ten mm-hmm. <laughs> 75 out of ten seven i i know what you meant yeah thank you you're welcome math is hard math is <laughs> math is math <laughs> numbers are confusing yes um <laughs> anyway and i shared that it's there's not it's not inherently bad mm-hmm. to then supplement the rest of that with right external validation. Exactly. Right? Like to have yes. a partner who builds you up, to have friends who remind you how awesome you are, right. to have parents who are loving. But that's not always the case. Right. And so we need to, and again, I'm talking about self-compassion, but in this frame of self-esteem, we need to at least, yes, have some baseline of feeling good about yourself but I don't think that feeling good about yourself solely comes from looking and staring yourself Mm -hmm. in the mirror and being like I'm the most attractive person ever like I am amazing I'm wonderful I'm a great employee Mm -hmm. but to just be kind or and appreciative (laughs) of yourself yes like to just to even not even that we have to feel positive about our flaws quote unquote like maybe you don't love your hair Mm -hmm. but to be able to recognize that it's a part of you it's Mm -hmm. a unique part of you and it doesn't make up all of you right that maybe you don't like your hair but you really enjoy your sense of style yeah 
or you really enjoy the fact that you're a kind and sensitive person, right? That there are ways to be gentle with ourselves that are more neutral. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to that like body positivity. Like body positivity doesn't mean have to be like, I love the way I look. It could just be, I appreciate what my body does for me Mm -hmm. and I want to take care of it, which means I go to the gym or I want to take care of it, which means... I, I put in foods in my body that make my body feel good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not even healthy or unhealthy foods, right? right? Just like bo- foods that make me feel good. So it's this self-compassion in my in my mind is like finding the gray, mm-hmm. right? Like it's finding the gray within the black and white thinking that it's not good nor bad, which is where we fall into with self-esteem. A lot of times I see people get stuck in that. Yeah. Um, looking through your trauma lens. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you see, for now, we'll kind of group these two together, but I want there to be known that, the, that we're talking about it differently. Yeah. Um, but when you look through your trauma lens, what do you see as being kind of the often root cause or the root of a lot of people who are struggling with self-esteem or self-compassion, um, especially in the context of like when they don't have a village, if you will. They don't have that regular external validation. In terms of um, like that in those voices that get in the way, um, I would call them introjects, um, but that's just from my ego state lens. Um, it Introjects are the messages that often come from our abusers or unhealthy early attachment figures. Um, so I think it's really hard for a person to just start having self-compassion or start believing that they are worthy if they grew up either hearing direct messages of saying you're you know you're stupid you made a mistake or even indirect messages just like the look of disappointment on their parents face if they didn't you know do something that their Mm -hmm. parent wanted or the stonewalling that they endured at their parents hands because they didn't I don't know fulfill their parents needs um And I think it's a cycle um, as to why oftentimes we have clients that come in that don't have a support system. It's if their first support system was that harmful Mm -hmm. or rejecting, um, self-involved, self-referential, then I think it really does set the tone for individuals to kind of stay away from other people because they've determined or, um, you know, with evidence um, that people are not safe. And so with that comes also a a million other things, right? Like don't know how to have a healthy relationship or maintain one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for those individuals, I think it's really just another cycle that happens. It's, um, well, I'm not seeking support. Um, Now when I do seek support because I haven't healed, I'm seeking support from the people who are going to do the same thing to me that I'm used to because when we have early childhood trauma, unfortunately, we look for home in our relationships, right? What's familiar. And so it it just kind of keeps going and going. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm really glad that you brought that up because... I think that's a big piece of it that I see with clients, especially when looking through the trauma lens of people who look for what's familiar Mm -hmm. and find themselves in what's familiar, even when they like vehemently declare, like, I am going to stay away from people who put me down. Mm -hmm. And then they find themselves with people who put them down. Yes. Um, Yep. Because we know that it repeats itself if we don't repair or heal right um and 
I see that. I just see it a lot. Um, and it's often a hard conversation because mm-hmm. often it's people who are already feeling like an emotional loneliness, right? They're right. not like maybe lonely in the sense that they don't have anyone. They right. have people, but they're just not people that they actually feel supported by. Right. And then easing into this conversation of, okay, well, now you've disconnected from your family or um, loved ones. And now we're like reevaluating other relationships in your life and whether those are actually fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And do those relationships provide the source or the amount of external validation that you desire? Right. And again, that's not saying that they need to be the only source. Right. Or that they need to be completely dependent on those people to fill them up. But reevaluating those friendships or those relationships. And a lot of times what I see is people who are not in support groups that are actually helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can even be just neutral or it can be like actively negative. Yeah. Um, And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about that piece of it like where you see people who struggle with reading really really far into even just like neutral responses right so like obviously we know that that's a trauma Mm -hmm. piece Mm -hmm. Um, but what I mean by that is people who if they're not getting wow you are incredible right or they're not getting your piece of shit right then they really don't know what to do with it and they're feeling panicky and lost and that's when their self-esteem can plummet as well. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk about where and when and how you see that. Yeah. Um, I see that in my clients who, I, and you, I think you alluded to this, my clients who scan. Mm-hmm. Um, scanning is a trauma response. It's, um, you know, we, we engage in that type of behavior when we have historically needed to read the room in order to determine what our safety look, right. you know, if we're going to be safe, right. um, what's okay, what's not okay. Um, I think for the individual, you know, individuals who, if they don't receive a very enthusiastic response, they immediately go into, um, shutdown mode because they don't know how to make sense of neutrality right when we grow up in chaos there is no neutrality it's just extreme emotions on either side of the pendulum um and so um i think that that's probably where that comes from is um it's probably easier to believe that if the person is neutral it may be that i don't know maybe they're trying to spare my feelings but the thought isn't going to be um oh maybe it's because i actually did do a good job or you know maybe whatever i or this topic isn't particularly important to the other person you know it's neutral it just is neutral (laughs) and i think that um again that that response comes from not yeah. being comfortable or even knowing what neutrality looks like. Right. right. A lot of people operate in extremes, especially trauma survivors, because again, everything has always been an extreme. Yeah. They either had an apparent who a parent who was an ex- like extremely angry and then was extremely happy. There was no in between. I don't know if you recall this. But there was a professor that we had in graduate school who I actually admire deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, But her thinking face 
was in in my perception because mm-hmm. I am a people pleaser through and through, and so I am somebody who like struggles with those yeah. extremes. Um, and I remember some of the classmates that we had, as long as well as myself, talking about how intimidating it would be to be up and presenting or to be talking about a case that we were working with, and her thinking face was like her like furrowed eyebrows yeah. and her eyes squinted and then she'd like put her hand like up mm-hmm. near her temple and like it just seemed like such a face of disapproval or like <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about yeah meanwhile it was just her thinking face <laughs> like it was just the way that she thinks and like that's perceived on her face and so it just this whole conversation of like yeah scanning being overly sensitive i guess Mm -hmm. to people's body language or the way that they're behaving towards us based on our own lens that we're Mm -hmm. seeing and experiencing the world through that like i'm hypersensitive to criticism and so for me that was like a huge trigger of like oh god maybe i don't know (laughs) what i'm talking about oh my god (laughs) but really it's just how she thinks right yeah And then I think about that with my clients even because I don't have a great poker face with clients. And I also furrow my eyebrows and squint and, you know, put my hand up when I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's not – it's like a concentration face of, like, trying to be aware of what's being said to me because I have ADHD. So then it's like I have to focus. So anyway, I love the conversation of talking about how we're perceiving – how people behave and like being mm-hmm. uncomfortable with neutrality, not even really knowing what neutrality is. Right. Um, that she, that this professor in particular, just from what I know now, wasn't thinking positively or negatively, was just right. actively listening. Right. And I think that that's a piece that I touch on a lot with my clients who struggle with this is sometimes there's, well, sometimes there's positivity in the neutral yes right that like yes it's neutral but positive validation doesn't have to be wow you are so amazing right wow you did such a great job you are an amazing friend Mm -hmm. right it can just be active listening it can be eye contact it can be a hug it can be acts of like just the same ways that we love partners right like Mm -hmm. love love languages can be the way that we show appreciation to other people that it doesn't have to like I bring you a coffee just because right I thought of you yeah right like that can be a way of positive validation like I wouldn't do that for a shitty friend right you know exactly like it's but I think that the clients that we work with at times struggle to see that so like unless it's right in front of their face they're being told you are incredible then it's then everything is wrong yeah yeah. You you brought that point. I'm not sure it's directly related, but it made me think of um, a conversation I often have with my clients about how sometimes support looks in the way that a person can offer it rather than the way that we expect it or need it to. Mm. Um, that just because someone isn't going to do the exact same thing that you would do for them does not mean that they don't support you. Right. You know, that um, maybe you're the type of friend who brings a coffee every morning. Um, 
maybe your friend doesn't, but she offers to pay meals here and, you know, here and there. Um, there could be a million reasons for that difference. Um, but the la- you know, none of it points to the fact that your friend cares less about you or that you're not as important. Um, and I, th- I noticed for my clients also, um, they really get like tripped up on that. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, oh, you know, I, I just, I do so much and I, and I get nothing in return. But sometimes when they break it down, it's like, well, is it, you know, that we're getting nothing or it's just not the way that we need it? Um, and are we acknowledging that other people also can give in the ways that they can? So that's actually my qualm that mm-hmm. I have with the five love languages. Okay. Because people come to me a yeah. lot and say like, well, my love language is words of affirmation mm-hmm. and Nobody seems to give me words of affirmation. Right. And what we know about love languages is that people give the way that they like to receive. Yes. Right? So I almost like to think of that in the reverse. It would be wonderful in a perfect world if everybody could say, oh, Aida, your love language is words of affirmation. Mm. I'm just going to compliment you every time I see you. Right. Right? Like... (laughs) That would be fantastic. However, because we know if if we can take that and frame it in the fact that we know and we can expect that people love in the way that they like to receive, that we can then see when they're loving us. Right. Even if it's not really our ideal way of being cared mm-hmm. for. And we hope that somebody who cares about us will do their best to try some, yeah, at times accommodate yeah, that and, and put in effort. But when it's not happening all the time, Like, so for instance, the reason I'm bringing this up is we have a mutual friend who likes to do phone calls Mm -hmm. and she was just like, without anticipation, just call you and be like, Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. And I hate talking on the phone, but I always pick up because, or I don't sometimes because I just don't have the energy, but Mm -hmm. I will do my best to pick up. And at the very least, if she calls, I know that that's her way of showing me that she cares. Yes. Like, yes. And she knows I don't really care for phone calls. Mm-hmm. And then she shows me that she cares about me in other ways that made me feel right, good. Right. But but I can see that not as, oh my gosh, she's violating my boundaries. She's not yeah. respecting me. Thank she's you. not loving me the way that she needs mm-hmm. to love me. Like I see that as, okay, that this is her way right. of reaching out, making an effort. This is maybe what she has time for because I know yeah. a lot of times she's in the car, she's driving home, she's going to work, she's right. doing things. I have... I feel like it's necessary for me to take perspective with that. Yes. And and accept that as this is the validation that I am a good friend and that she cares about me. Right. Even though it's not my preferred way of contacting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's her way and yeah. I can see it. So I, I think that that's the other piece of this. Like when you talk about knowing how people can support and sometimes it doesn't look like the way that we expect or the way that we best receive support. Right. But there has to be like that balance mm-hmm. of, well, yes, obviously, if people are totally ignoring right. what works for us, then that's kind of a problem. At the same time, if we can take perspective and actually see mm-hmm. that what they're doing is their way of showing appreciation and love and care, as long as, again, we're talking within like really healthy right, limits, right, right. <laughs> um, then that helps build that self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. Like if your friend isn't much of a talker, but they sit and they actively listen to you, that's their way of showing support and we need to be able to recognize that Mm -hmm. versus going my way of feeling loved is words of affirmation yes I need you to tell me send me long messages and long letters about how awesome I am (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah just might not be 
Yeah, it may. It, and like you said, it may not be just because of circumstances what another person can do. Right. Um. And and I yeah. So I I had to go off on that. Yeah. I no. Like, I think yes. That is something that comes up a lot um, and, and in turn and how it ties to how someone feels about themselves, right, is right. if there isn't that perspective taken, then they may kind of get stuck in this mindset of, well, you know, no one cares about me and I, you know, I give more than what I receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, you know, tying that back to self-compassion mm-hmm. is you know, are we also giving ourselves a compassion um, that if we are noticing that the way we are loving other people is running us dry Mm -hmm. and it is getting to a point where it's not sustainable, then having the self-compassion to know that we are, we are worth so much more than what we can do for other people and what we can give. Right. Right. Yeah. Like if it is, burning you I think this is what you're saying like if it's burning you out mm-hmm. to be keeping a mental list of the ways that every single person in your life mm-hmm. prefers to be loved or cared for again not that we don't listen to those things right but if we're trying to like okay Aida likes words of affirmation and Susie Q likes physical touch mm-hmm. and this person likes acts of service and this person like that's an incredible mental load to carry yeah and so self-compassion is knowing that we can't always do that and you're still a good friend yeah you can still be a good friend and not do all of those things all the time right and that like anything in life there can be fluctuations Mm -hmm. in our ability to give that if you are drained and exhausted and kind of out of touch for three weeks because you're having a hard time that is okay you're still a good friend yeah but it can then swing to the other side where we're able to be giving and kind Mm -hmm. and compassionate but you're like you said you're more than just what you give right that being a good friend a good partner a good son daughter person all of that is not always connected to what we're physically bringing to the table right yep yeah yeah that it goes deeper yeah that sometimes we can bring nothing to the table physically Mm -hmm. and just show up like your presence here at the table is appreciated. Exactly. And you know what's interesting? Oh, sorry, I don't know. Did you have another thought? No, that you're, okay. please. What I find interesting is that I think that's the part that a lot of people miss. And it's also um, a bit a huge factor in emotional loneliness is that people think that I have to bring something tangible right. to show as evidence. When in reality, a lot of people feel emotionally lonely. They could be surrounded, right? Like take mm-hmm. take um, people who grew up in very, very privileged households where they had everything and anything a kid could want. Mm-hmm. But if their parents were constantly traveling or working, working or, you know, out of the home, is did it need to be done in order to afford that lifestyle? Yes, sure. Sure. Um, but that's not what the kid remembers. The kid doesn't right. remember having the latest whatever. The kid remembers their parent being absent. Right. And it's so there you see that, you know, the, the tangible um, love sometimes does not surpass or is not as important as what we bring emotionally. Sure. And I think in this world, particular world and time and place that we're living in there are a lot of people that are seeking that 
much deeper connection, right? They're mm-hmm. seeking the presence at the table, mm-hmm. presence, not presence, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that we're talking about. I don't care if you bring, and this probably is my own love language coming into play, but I don't yeah. care if you bring lavish gifts right. and do all of these wonderful things for me. What I care about is that you're present mm-hmm. in my life, even if we're not talking every day to feel that presence. Like I have a, a best friend uh, back home in Minnesota who she and I, our relationship is interesting because we don't talk every day, mm-hmm. um, love her dearly, but we really like love each other from afar. Yeah. Like we know that we can call each other anytime, but it's just not one of those friendships where we are texting back and forth nonstop, which I have friendships like that. Um, But she and I are able to have this understanding, just kind of a silent understanding, honestly, that like we are there for one another. We have a really deep bond, but it doesn't require us to be in touch all the time. And I think that that's one of those things where there aren't necessarily like tangible things being brought to the table of friendship, right? That there are just, um, that's just that emotional support, that emotional knowing of like, we're deeply connected. We have a long history together. Like we see each Mm other. Um, And you're right. I think I see people that struggle with that a lot in my practice of just feeling like they have to offer something. Yeah. When it's really that deep connection and we're in a world that's lacking. Right. Deep connection. You, we had also talked about this and this might be good for an, another episode, sure. but about this idea of do we even know how to embrace connection when we are in the presence of it? Yeah. Um, because if we don't know, then it's very easy to kind of just drive by it and, and just mm-hmm. completely not be aware that, you know, somebody was probably trying to either initiate some intimacy or vulnerability with us. Right. Um, because if we're so you know, tunnel visioned to having it look a certain way, um, we can really pass by a lot of great opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I Mm -hmm. feel like, yeah, I definitely want to have an episode on that because I could spiral into so much to say. (laughs) Um, But I think even in that, right, like we pass by an opportunity for connection and somebody comes to us and says, hey, um, I didn't really feel heard. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you said that I could talk to you anytime. And when I right. when I spoke to you, you were checking your phone and kind of, you know, not really responsive. And so I felt really disconnected from you. And mm-hmm. um, the self-compassion piece, right? If, we, if we're thinking through an, a self-esteem lens, mm-hmm. we might go, oh, shit, I'm a bad person. I'm right. a bad friend. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Whereas self-compassion is, it happens. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Well, it wasn't okay. But the self-compassion piece is recognizing that you're human, Mm -hmm. owning the mistake, honoring that person's feelings, being able to say, I hear you. I respect that that's how you feel. And I'm really sorry that I missed the mark and that I didn't hear you in the way that you needed me to. And I recognize how invalidating that must have been. I will do better in the future to listen to you and not check my phone when you're talking to me. Yeah. That... We can take ownership and that's, that is self-compassion is taking ownership without the self-defeating thoughts that follow. Right. Right. I was just, um, cause I have a paper due this week. I was, it, one of it is talking about this concept of feed forward. 
um, instead of feedback. And so basically feed forward is just a nicer way of saying feedback in the sense that we are looking to have self-compassion and recognize that not, you know, that just because we may need some growth in an area does not mean that we're necessarily lacking either. Again, it's that balance, that neutrality, right? And, And that feedback in reality doesn't always have to be negative. I think it gets a bad rep because people always, there are some people who like to say, well, I'm just being honest, but, um, not taking into account that honesty does not need to be brutal and it does not need to be hurtful, Um, that it can be communicated in a positive way and a constructive way. Um, And and hopefully also um, making the shift towards understanding that feedback is not telling you that you're lacking in something, but instead um, giving you a chance to enhance a skill that you may have or would benefit from having. It's an opportunity for growth. Growth, Exactly. And I find that, you know, in terms of progress, um, you can, uh, and I think when we had that episode with Katie, we talked about Mm -hmm. how in order to have some progress, there has to be a level of coachability um, in order to achieve the goals that we want. We need to be coachable. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, we're kind of going to stay stagnant. We're not going to move forward. We're not going to make the progress that we're going to make or that we want to make because we're choosing to look at everything as from a lens of defensiveness. Um, And, and so now I'm thinking like, yeah, I probably that defensiveness comes from a lack of self-compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because it immediately goes into not hearing what's being said, Mm -hmm. but hearing I'm not doing enough. I'm right. bad. I'm not doing what I need right. to do. And it's interesting that you put it that way because it's a conversation I had this week, um, especially in partnerships, mm-hmm. right? So like when you have a partner who comes forth about, um, hey, you know, it, it it upsets me when I'm trying to talk to you and you're on your phone. Right. That it, it, it makes me feel as if, if there is, as if there's not any listening happening. And it's not to say whether there is or is not listening happening. Right. It could be. I'll give that the other person, and this is just a hypothetical, but yeah. I'll give the other person the benefit of the doubt and say maybe they are able to actually multitask and be on their phone and listen at the same time maybe a little arguable, but (laughs) but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But we're not arguing about whether there was or was not listening happening. Right. But when that defensiveness comes up of, I am listening. Mm -hmm. I listen. I can listen. I I, I was listening. right? Right. It's because we're hearing you're bad. Right. You're a bad listener. You don't care about me. You didn't do enough. You didn't do enough. Right. And not rather than this person in particular really feels heard when the phones are absent mm-hmm. right and it's just yeah it's like a, that defensiveness indicates a lack of self-compassion i think you're absolutely right mm-hmm. yeah all that shame and guilt that comes with lack of self-compassion of again i can't mess up um you know i can't do anything bad um, yeah how do you think <sighs> our current like, especially with social media, mm-hmm. 
obviously we we have lots of conversations today about how social media is connected to self-esteem yeah but i'm wondering how you see social media as being connected to the level of self-compassion that people have I think it could go both ways depending on what <laughs> uh, what uh, sides you're on, right? Like sure. what in type of information you're consuming from social media. Sure. So if... How could it negatively impact somebody's self-compassion, do you think? I think... Hmm, that's, a, that's a tough one. I don't know if my brain's just not braining right now. Mm. That's okay. <laughs> How could it negatively impact self? I, I mean, I think in many ways, if we are the type of person that engages in comparison type of behavior, um, then that's going to be an immediate, right. immediate cut to our um, self, uh, self-compassion and self-esteem. Um, it's, it, it's just not sustainable to compare ourselves because we're not, when we compare ourselves to other people, we're not taking into account that they're factors their their lifestyle are completely different from ours right so I throughout my whole pregnancy was following this um influencer who's amazing um and she's pregnant and she was able to work out the (laughs) entire pregnancy like the whole one she's also a personal trainer though so that makes sense that's like her lifestyle right that's her lifestyle (laughs) this is her life and I had to sometimes not like scroll past her videos, not because I didn't want to watch her, but because I I started my pregnancy still weightlifting because I was cleared by my midwives to do so. And then literally last month hit and I could not fit into my shoes. Mm-hmm. Literally, I could not fit into my sneakers and I wasn't going to go to the store and buy a million pairs or try to find wide sneakers that I'm only going to wear once um, or for two months. And it was me understanding that, well, our circumstances are different. One, she has a home gym, so she doesn't have to leave her home. Um, Two, she is a trainer. She has, she does this for a living and probably has some additional tips that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, And that this idea of like getting a little upset of you know this feeling of getting upset watching her was absolutely coming from the frustration at all of the changes that are happening in my body and not being able to anticipate those changes and having to just adjust to them because of the way my life is set up and I think that that makes all the difference, right? For me to offer myself that self-compassion or for me to go down like a whole rabbit hole of why I'm not good enough or why I'm doing my pregnancy wrong or like all the other things that come with that. I feel like I'm glad that you shared that because as we think about this experience of looking through self-esteem or looking through Mm self-compassion at social media, I think there's... I think social media in and of itself lends to more self-esteem mm-hmm. issues than self-compassion. And I think that that often comes from a place of the fact that social media, the people who are influencers, I guess, yeah. or people who have influence on social media mm-hmm. are often being very definitive mm-hmm. about how things should be. Right. We're presenting things in a very idealistic way. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's what this influencer was doing, but 
it can be very easy to fall into that comparison and it's not typically presented in a way of like self-compassion. So I'm going to use an example as well. Um, I think of um, influencers who are really entrenched in hustle culture. Oh my God, yes. um, That in their caption or in their video or just like basically all over their page will tout this idea of especially like fitness influencers that's kind of what made me think of this in the sense of like we all have the same 24 hours in a day Mm -hmm. so what are you doing with your 24 hours (laughs) what are you doing sitting on your ass and sleeping until 8 a.m as if that's so late um (laughs) it made me think of it because i saw a video where similarly i also was like oh i don't do that um because I saw this woman who basically lived her whole life before 8 a.m. Oh. Um, she got up. She did her makeup. She went for a walk. She watched some TV. She made breakfast. She came home. She took a shower. She got ready. She then got in the car and said, oh, now I'm off to work. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm lucky <laughs> if I wake up like a half hour before I'm supposed right. to leave. Like, <laughs> so it's, but it's that. And she wasn't touting like, you know, what are you doing with your right. role? Like that shameful, like you can make the most of your 24 hours, you know, so there are no excuses if I can do it. You know, it's like that whole, like, why do I have to wake up at 3 a.m. to be a good person? Right. Like, to go to the gym and do a whole workout. And, like, I think that in that culture specifically, it makes it really challenging to have Mm self-compassion in that it's presented as, like, right versus wrong. Like, moral, right? That there's, like, morality attached Mm -hmm. to whether you get up early and work out or whether you spend your evenings doing your side hustle so that you can make extra money or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making your kids cool crafts because you're a stay-at-home mom. Like, not everybody has time for that. Everyone has time. (laughs) And, we yes, we all have the same 24 hours, but... There needs to be self-compassion in the fact that our 24 hours look different. 100%. Yes. And that is okay. Yes. And your 24 hours can differ from one set to another set. Like, absolutely. One I mean, day to another day. Yes. Yes. I, I'm maybe going off of here, but I remember having a friend once. Um, we are no longer really friends, but... Um, who would often be very peeved at me when I would show up a little bit late to events. Um, very different. I, I'm just going to say we had very different lifestyles. Um, you know, I was working three jobs, not only to put myself through school, but also to pay rent and my car and all the other bills that come with having an apartment, um, taking care of my elder, like my grandma and my sick dad and again managing three jobs um, all very different distances and just remembering like the lack of compassion of yes we did we were able to anticipate that this thing was going to happen and yet because of my life circumstances I'm not always able to get to places on time because I don't know what's going to happen with my dad if he's going to have an appointment that he told me kind of last minute or I don't know if my you know I'm going to make it on time because maybe my grandma fell because she's kind of old and doesn't have balance or maybe I had to pick up an extra shift because I was behind on something and I needed to catch up. And I think that, again, 
had I not had the self-compassion at the time to know that it is okay if I get somewhere a few minutes late because I have to do the things that I have to do and that's just the reality of things but I will be there and I will show up mm-hmm. um I it could have gone a different direction I could have been right. beating myself up and thinking that I'm a bad friend and all of this right you know because of the comment of one person and and through self-compassion you can look at that and say okay I might not be able to be on time but I can shoot them a quick text right or call them and say hey I'm running late like I'll be there right just hold your horses um that through self-compassion, we can find more functional ways mm-hmm. to approach that versus um, just self-defeating and like tying morality to punctuality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that there doesn't have to be good versus bad in right. those things. And again, people have their own stuff. So who knows what people's feelings are about timeliness, mm-hmm. but... If that's not a conversation that's approached with compassion, if it's just you're an asshole because you're late, mm-hmm. that's certainly not productive. Versus, right. hey, you know, being on time is really important to me and my time is valuable mm-hmm. um, just as yours is. And so, you know, if you could let me know if you're running late or if you need to reschedule, certainly feel free to let me know. Right. Um, and I think that's all within reason, too. Like. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly an hour late to things. Yeah, that's maybe, a different. Maybe that feels that's a different conversation. But like the impression that I'm getting is that it was like I'm running five minutes late or 10 minutes late or yes. like maybe even 20 minutes late. But these are not things that are like time sensitive. necessarily. Right. And it's not. But then through a conversation, there can be that that understanding and that perspective taking for both people. Right. So you mm-hmm. and I both come from a relational perspective and that's where like we don't need to debate mm-hmm. like what the what the appropriate amount of lateness is right but i can understand from your perspective where you're coming from that you know lateness is whatever mm-hmm. hurtful offensive rude whatever i don't yeah. know how you want to describe that but i also understand from this perspective that you have a lot of life circumstances that are getting in the way of things and so how can we meet in the middle mm-hmm. and not tie good versus bad or right versus right. wrong um that it's just about finding that middle ground with yep. one another so that's an interesting example and i think that's where a lot of people i think get stuck with self-compassion like self-compassion also seeps into having compassion for other people mm-hmm. in taking pers- so like if we can take perspective for ourselves then taking perspective for other people that when we get really stuck in that black and white and feel like I sound like such a DBT therapist right mm-hmm. now, when we get stuck in such a black and white perspective, it becomes about right versus wrong, respect right. versus disrespect, mm-hmm. rude versus polite. It's like all of these polar opposites, whereas like, but there's gray. Maybe it's right. neutral. <laughs> right. Maybe it's neutral. Yes. Yeah. 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 I would love mm-hmm. if next time, we could talk a little bit about disconnection and kind of the the loneliness. Epi- ep- I can't say that word. Epidemic. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> My brain was. I also wasn't not sure if that today. was the right word, <laughs> yes. so that's why I said it questionably. Um, yes. <laughs> if we could talk about disconnection and seeking deeper connection within the loneliness epidemic that we're seeing right now, um, so if that's a yeah. topic that interests you, certainly. 
tune in next time. I would like to preface that um, next week we will not be releasing a regularly scheduled episode uh, due to me being on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I will be away. And so we are taking a brief pause from the podcast so that I can enjoy some time off. Yes. Um, Much deserved. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, um, interact with us on social media. We certainly appreciate it. And just share, 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 share. That would be awesome. Yes. (laughs) And until next time, sincerely to Imperfect Therapists.